0: Wonderful early service. You guys are talking to me. That's a good start. Hey, listen, I want you to know this is one of those Sundays where I feel like the worship has already preached the message. I mean, there are some days that I I legitimately think I should probably preach first, even though none of you would hear it because you don't get here on time. But I should probably preach first so that you could have the same experience I have through those worship moments as they line up with the message and with the scripture and all the things that we're going to talk about. But man, I'm telling you, you need to put those songs. On your playlist this week, so that you can sing out and worship with a full understanding of what it is we're going to talk about. Hey, I also want to let you know Joey was up here just a second ago. Joey is doing a great job with our student ministry. Y'all give him a hand for all he's doing. Man, I'm telling you what, he was blowing it out in the student building, and then all of a sudden, the pipes blew out, and now he's adjusting, and he's been worshiping in here, he's been worshiping outside with the kids, the numbers keep going up, he's got a presence on every campus, I'm telling you, great, great things are happening. I want you to know, we don't usually tell you who's going to be preaching next week, okay? But Joey is going to be preaching his first sermon here next week, next Sunday, so make sure you're here so that you can support him in that, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Hey, let's start off this way. When, when I was a kid, um, my mom used to make me sprinkle toast when I would get sick, okay? Anybody know what sprinkle toast is, okay? Anybody? know? good. Okay, I'm about to change your life, okay? It's really complex, okay? This is complex. So I'm going to give you the ingredients, family recipe, but I'm telling you, it is worth memorizing so that you can put this into practice, okay? It's, it's bread, okay? You take bread, you put bread butter on the bread, okay? You toast it, and then you sprinkle some of those sugar crystal sprinkles on top. That's it. That's all there is to it. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what color sprinkles do I use? If you're a sick little boy, you get to choose any color sprinkle that you want. And if you've got an exceptional mom, she'll even like divide it up to where you can have your two favorite colors side by side, good stuff. But let me tell you something, these, these simple ingredients, when they're, when they're combined together with love, okay, they have the magical ability to heal the sick. I mean, if you've got a cold, this will fix it. You've got a broken leg, this will fix it. You know what I'm saying, like year after year, sickness after sickness, this just kinda became a comfort food for me that helped me when I was going through something difficult. Imagine my surprise when I got married at 20 years old and and I got a cold and y'all, I was in bad shape. I was pitiful. I had a man cold. I was on death's door. And I looked at my wife and I said, can you please make me some sprinkle toast? That was when I realized that my family was different (laughs) and not everybody knew what sprinkle toast was. Listen, maybe, maybe you have a comfort food like that from childhood. Maybe you've got, I don't know, like a blanket or, or a stuffed animal or, or even a movie that brings you peace when, when there's chaos all around you. Well, We're in week three of a series called Playlist where we're, we're exploring the Psalms. and In today's Psalm Psalm 23, it's like that for many people. See, not only is it one of the most familiar passages in the book of Psalms, it's also one of the most well-known well-loved and well-worn passages in the entire Bible. Why? Because it has this ability to comfort people in their time of trouble. Henry Ward Beecher, it's probably a name that you don't know, but but he was a pastor, author, and an anti-slavery activist in the 19th century. And, And this is what he has to say about Psalm 23. He says, It has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, of orphans in their loneliness, Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains. And like Peter's angel led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master and consoled those whom dying he left behind mourning. Not so much that he was gone as because they were left behind and could not go too. Man, what a powerful introduction to this psalm. In every single season, good and bad, this psalm is a valuable reminder of the hope we have in Jesus. Listen, maybe you're at a point in your life where you need to experience a little bit of comfort and hope. Maybe, Maybe life is not going the way you want it to go. Maybe the pressures of work and school or even just the upcoming holidays are, are more than you can handle. Maybe there's a diagnosis. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's a relationship that's, that's sitting on your chest like an elephant. Or maybe your life is going great and you just need to learn how to make sprinkle toast before you need sprinkle toast. Listen, no matter what the circumstance you find yourself in today, we're going to combat the current or the eventual hardships of life with five simple words. Here they are right here. The Lord is my shepherd. I want us to read that together so it's personal. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen, let's dive into this Psalm, okay? Starting in verse one, and we're gonna find hope and comfort together. Psalm 23, one through three, it says, "'The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. "'He makes me lie down in green pastures. "'He leads me beside quiet waters. "'He refreshes my soul. "'He guides me along the right paths for his namesake.'" Listen, the truth is, most of us, we don't know anything about shepherding, right? I mean, do we have any expert shepherds in the room? Okay, not any of you. Some of you are like, I corral children all the time. That counts, okay? But David, having been a shepherd, he writes this with a full practical understanding of what it means to call the Lord his shepherd. You see, it turns out sheep, they will not lie down unless four specific conditions are met. They won't lie down if they're afraid, that's why a good shepherd, he, he stands guard and he protects them from thieves and, and from wild animals and even from their own inclination to wander off a cliff. They won't lie down if there's friction among the other sheep. That's why a good shepherd, he, he knows his flock deeply so he can sense when there's a problem and he can address it right then and right there. Sheep won't lie down if there's flies or parasites. That's why a good shepherd knows his sheep well enough to know and address it when something is bugging them. And finally, they won't lie down if they're hungry or anxious about food. That's why a good shepherd provides for the basic needs of his sheep, food and water. Listen, under the care of a good shepherd, sheep are protected and they're cared for at all times. And so they rest knowing that their needs are prioritized and met by someone who is smarter, someone who is stronger, and somebody who is more capable than they are. Listen, according to David, that's what God does for him. Because according to David, that is what God does for his people. Write this down. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything we need. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything we need. We lack nothing. Just as Jesus feeds the birds. And just as he dresses the flowers, he provides for his people. This is what it says in Philippians chapter four, verse 19. It says, and my God will meet all of your needs. Not some. My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You see, God is concerned with his people. God is concerned with every aspect of his people. He's concerned with our minds. He's concerned with our bodies. He's concerned with our soul. He's concerned with our spirit and his provisions go beyond anything we could ask for or imagine. As his followers, we get to cling to and trust his goodness, his guidance, and his shepherding care to do more for us than we could ever do for ourselves. Like good sheep, we can rest in his care. Listen, when my kids were younger, they would would get up every time there was a thunderstorm at night, okay? They They would come running out of their room and they were panicked because as soon as there was thunder and as soon as there was lightning, they were convinced that something bad was gonna happen. But over and over and over again, they found that when the weather gets really bad, I get up. And I get up for one reason, and I tell them this often, not just in this situation, but in all situations. I get up because as their dad, my most important job is to keep them safe. See, after repeatedly waking up to find out that I was on top of things, they learned they could sleep right through the storm because they knew that I was standing watch. To be honest with you, I don't remember the last time they got up in the middle of the storm My wife is looking at me like, they do, you just sleep through it. But either way, (laughs) either way, listen, in the Lord's prayer, Jesus teaches us to affirm our dependence on him every single day because we need a constant daily reminder that we have his attention and concern. But get this, over and over again, after finding him at the ready, we will learn that we have everything we need because he is keeping watch. Let me ask you something. What keeps you up at night? What causes anxiety to stir in your heart? In what area of your life are you fighting for control and losing? Let me tell you, that's the place that God wants to show up as your shepherd. That's the place that he wants to use to propel you towards his peace and his rest. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything we need. Let's keep reading. Verse four. This is how it continues. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen, there's a major transition that happens between verses three and verse four. You see, green pastures and still waters, they, they give way to dark valleys. David, at this part in the scripture, he's declaring that he is walking through the darkest valley. He is walking through the most difficult parts of life. He is hedged in and he is surrounded, but he is not running. Why? Because the shepherd remains by his side and he knows he's going to see him through. One popular translation of this verse, and this is probably the one you've heard used at funerals because this is the most common passage to cling to at funerals, says this. It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen, with the Lord as our shepherd, death and its substance has been removed and only a shadow of it remains. You see, children are scared of shadows, right? But we as adults, we understand that a shadow cannot stop us in our tracks. The shadow of a dog cannot bite, the shadow of a sword cannot cut, and the shadow of death cannot destroy us. With the Lord as our shepherd, David recognizes that even though he may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it is not his destination or his dwelling place. Listen, write this down. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we're not living in the valley. We're walking through it. What's the phrase? If you're going through hell, just keep what? Just keep moving. We're passing by under the watchful eye and guidance of the one who will see us through. I heard a story this week about a man. He was driving home with his daughter in the car and they had the windows down and a a bee flew in the car. And his daughter is allergic. And so she began to scream and she began to panic and she began to shout. Well, he didn't panic, but he did hit the brakes and he got off to the side of the road and when that bee went buzzing towards the windshield, he just captured it right there in his hand. And he waited for the inevitable sting that was gonna happen. And once the bee stung him, he he just let it go. The daughter started screaming from the back seat, panicking once again that it was going to sting her, but he calmed her down and he said, it's not gonna sting you now because the stinger is in my hand. Let me tell you something, God's provision doesn't necessarily eliminate the presence of evil, pain, and hardship. The bee still flies. But his presence, his power, his guidance eliminates the sting of the things that threaten us. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? You see, not even death can overcome what the Lord's presence provides us. We may go through seasons where we feel hedged in and surrounded, but the circumstances around us do not define us. The God within us does. God has not left you. God will see you through because he's walking beside you through whatever is going on in your life. Listen, because the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything we need. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we're not living in the valley, we're walking through it. But there's one more thing that David teaches in the final two verses that bring us comfort and hope in the midst of hardship. This is what it says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Does that sound familiar? Okay, we just sang about this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. "'Surely your goodness and your love "'will follow me all the days of my life "'and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.'" Listen, I love this because it declares that God has a celebration meal with David not after he finally gets out of the dark valley. God has a celebration meal with David in the middle of the hardship. David enjoys the richness of God's goodness right smack dab in the presence of his enemies. Despite all the dangers around him, David says he's refreshed by God's presence and his cup runs over. And get this, he says he will live in faithful expectation of God's presence all the days of his life. Write this down, because the Lord is our shepherd, Fear is replaced with hope. You see, whatever may stand against us, our God is mighty enough to host a party in the middle of it. You and I, despite hardship and difficulty, despite pain, we can sing in the midst of suffering. We can hope in the midst of hardship, and we can find courage in the midst of chaos and we can live with faithful expectation of his presence for eternity. The Lord is our shepherd both now and forever. Listen, you're probably familiar with the song, Raise a Hallelujah. We're gonna sing the song here in just a, a few moments, but you probably don't know the story behind the song. You see, in this song, Raise a Hallelujah, Joel Taylor, this, this guy right here, he's, he's one of the leaders of, of the Bethel music movement, which is one of the biggest worship movements of our time. And in 2019, he and his wife, he took their two-year-old son, Jackson, to the doctor. They thought he had some normal illness, but they found that it was much more serious than they thought. You See, their son, Jackson, he was battling an E. coli virus that was eating away at his organs. So they began doing lots of work on him. They began blood transfusions, and they put him on dialysis, and while he was suffering from seizures and and respiratory issues, they struggled and they called out to God. Shortly after that, their four-year-old daughter named Addie, she she came down with the same illness. And all of a sudden, this couple was faced with, with the possibility of losing both their son and their daughter so they cried out to God. They cried out to their community and they asked for prayer for their children because they didn't know what else to do. Worship leaders and friends, Jonathan and Melissa, they were in constant contact with the couple and and talking to them about what was going on. And and Jonathan says he remembers getting a text about Jackson that basically said, we don't think he's going to make it through the night. And this is what he said. He said, as soon as I got that text, I felt like this giant of unbelief stood in front of me. He said, I thought Jackson's not going to make it. He's going to die tonight and we are not going to see the miracle. In the midst of that pain, in the midst of that hardship, he says, all of a sudden, out of my gut, this song came out in in the face of the giant. He began to sing, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Listen, this song became an anthem for them and it began to spread and the entire community began to sing this over this couple and over this family. They made worship their weapon. They sang that for quite a while, weeks that they spent in the hospital, numerous treatments and countless prayers. And eventually they went home as a happy and healthy family. Listen, there's a testimony in that that says we don't know the outcome. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know how God's gonna move in this situation. But even in the midst of the hardship, we're gonna sing our hearts out because we know that he's alive and we know that he can do things that nobody else can do. Let's not tell you that to say this. Maybe you're going through a storm today. Maybe there's something in your life that's just weighing heavy on your heart and you just need to experience the hope of Psalm 23. Maybe you're in a place where all you can think about, you're so sidetracked and distracted by by the weight of some situation or circumstance that's going on around you. Even as I talk about this, you feel the tears welling up in your eyes because you don't know how you're gonna get through this. And we have hope because the Lord is our shepherd. Maybe you need to sing those words out with everything you've got. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Listen, I told you this is one of the most familiar passages for funerals, and my thought process on this, okay, was that we were gonna talk about this scripture so that when you go through a hard time, you'll be able to remember the words of this psalm when you read through it, and you'll be comforted by it. Listen, maybe you're in a place today where where you don't have a good shepherd in your life. Maybe you're just checking out this whole Christianity thing. Maybe you're here because somebody invited you, but, but you feel the weight of something going on in your life and you know that you need somebody that's stronger, smarter, and more capable than you. Maybe this is the moment that you need to say, I accept Jesus as my good shepherd. I'm gonna let him lead me. I'm gonna let him guide me. I'm gonna let him give me strength so that I can make it through whatever this world throws at me. If you're not in either one of those categories, then I want you to know what God's doing in your heart right now. See, maybe there's somebody else in your life that's going through a hardship. Maybe there's somebody that you work with or somebody that you go to school with and and they're going through some tragedy, some difficult situation. Maybe God brought you to this room to sit under this teaching to read this Psalm so that you can go tell them about the Good Shepherd that loves them and wants to see them through. Listen, we don't come together as a church to study scripture so that we can leave and forget it. We come together to study scripture so we can go out into the world and proclaim it to a world that needs to hear it. If you're not going through a tragedy right now, if you don't have anything heavy on your heart, then you need to start praying that God would put somebody in your path and you would be aware of their problem so that you can carry Psalm 23 to them. You can share with them the hope that you have in Jesus and you can help them understand that they have a good shepherd that they can trust, that they can lean on, and that loves them and wants to see them through. Listen, we're gonna sing that song. We're gonna sing a raise a hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to know you can come up to the front. You can fall on your face and you can pray. You can come over to the sides of the stage right here, follow the light, and somebody will be there to pray with you. But whatever you do, I want you to hear the words of the song. I want you to proclaim them, not as lyrics to a song, but as a prayer to God, because you recognize that he is your good shepherd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in times of trouble and hardship, we're not defined by the things that threaten us or stand against us. God, we're so grateful that we can lean on you and know that you're there with us. God, we're not, we're not living in the valley. This is not our destination. This is not our dwelling place. This is a season that you're gonna see us through because you're good and you're with us and you care about us and you love us. God, I pray for all those that are in this room right now that are struggling with hurt, all those in this room that are facing hardship, all those that need to feel your comforting presence in their life. God, I pray that as we sing this song, they would feel you. They would know that you're there. and God, that they would even leave this place and proclaim it to the world around them. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. We pray that even now you work in our lives and bring us closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen.